Welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Dax, and joining us, we have games editor, Mark Kalaroff. Recording at the wrong time. Always the wrong time. There's always something going on, but you know what? We're making it work. Also with us is indie games editor, Campbell Gill. I cannot wait for Microsoft to acquire this podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that oh, be yeah. something? Man. Personally, I've uh, always wanted to be owned by a major corporation. I'm always <laughs> saying this, yes. Uh, no, I, I think about that sometimes. It's like, you could just, you could throw, Microsoft could throw us three hosts $100 million each. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it wouldn't mean a thing to them. You know what I mean? It would be like, it would be nothing. It would be a, it would be a rounding error for them to just drop a few hundred mil on three impressionable go-getters who just want to talk about video games. Um, and it would be only a fraction of our full market value as well. So it would be just really <laughs> a be great deal for A them. great deal. They'd be getting mm-hmm. a great yeah, deal. Come on. Exactly. Um, Biggest name in games podcast, obviously. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like they would be they would be coming out uh, coming out ahead with this deal. Um, we are, of course, referring to the, the pretty enormous news that uh, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard for... About $69 billion. Uh, the largest acquisition in video game history. Uh, dwarfing the previously largest video game acquisition in history of... Uh, who bought Take-Two? Was it... Uh, it was Take-Two buying Zynga. I that's what it was. Take-Two bought Zynga um, a couple yeah. weeks back for like $12 billion. We were all like, oh my god, that's so much money. I think it was and literally then, one week before this deal. So Yeah, Microsoft very, was very like, hold, hold my beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> okay, so the, the funniest thing I've, I've been seeing in regards to this for, for us Nintendo fans is like memes of like two people fighting and then there's like one guy in the background like eating chips or whatever and it's like you know sony microsoft like brawling in the center and then like off to the side it's like nintendo fans like just kind of doing their thing um i, I don't know how what, what general thoughts listen all three of us we're not like deep into video game punditry i don't think like journalistic speculation that's not so much the the speed of this podcast but it's such big news that i that uh mark and campbell and i all agree that it's like we got to talk about it to -hmm. some degree just because it's 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 crazy um i don't know high level thoughts from from either of you guys it is i think a good thing for activision and its properties but i think it's kind of scary for the industry because microsoft Mm -hmm. doesn't have like a monopoly but 
it kind of has like that <laughs> Disney um, vibe to it. If you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, as, we, as I mean, we all know, Disney doesn't have a monopoly on entertainment. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you had to put like such an intonation on, we know Microsoft doesn't have a monopoly, really, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, yeah. they're inching ever closer to that, which is pretty concerning because you can count on one hand, basically, the major publishers that are not owned by Microsoft or Sony at this point, the major AAA uh, developers and that's pretty scary you know in terms of what games are produced and just how the industry works you know i'm not saying that it's bad for microsoft to own activision it is concerning for them to gobble up so many major players and franchises at once did you so guys see the tweet uh reggie made what'd he say I'm he retweeted right or he responded to something and it said the year is 2056 there are five major organizations that rule civilization through services and consumerism amazon Microsoft, Apple, Disney, and Google. But one thing stands out. Nintendo still makes the best video games, and its fans are still tweeting at Reggie about Mother 3. And he said, I think this will probably be true. Wow. And that is, once again, Nintendo just doing its own thing forevermore. Well, I mean, at, mm-hmm. yeah. important to point out, Reggie's no longer at Nintendo. No, he um, is Mr. Nintendo for the rest of his days, <laughs> no matter what. That's such a great point, though. That's such a great point. I, okay, so we should we should drill down a little bit. So, I think we've all we've all said this, or I, I haven't, but I agree with you both about saying like it's concerning, it's scary. So what what do we mean by that when we say Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard for sixty nine billion dollars is scary? What do we mean? What's the scary part? That they could just buy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure, but like what's? It's I mean, like, that's. A, I mean, but, I'm, I'm not scared. Know, like, what does that mean? You know, Activision literally. Like, what's the top selling game every month? It's probably like two or Call three Duty, things right? from Activision. Call of Duty. Call of Duty Vanguard was like the highest selling game of mm. last year. And it's like, really? Like, didn't that game get like critically and fan just like destroyed? Mm-hmm. And it's like Activision pulls in a lot. And they also own a lot of properties. They have like, you know, Call of Duty, uh, Diablo, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But like I'm saying, what's the scary part? Like why 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 are we so scared of I all mean, of this giant acquisition? I, I think it's the implications of it because we know that Microsoft, compared to previous generations, has been really open about its games coming to other platforms. But even with that, even with you know Minecraft and Cuphead and whatever coming to Switch and PlayStation, an acquisition means that there are going to be fewer games that would previously release on all platforms releasing on non-Microsoft systems now. This means that we'll probably have some Call of Duties appear on PlayStation. We may have a Spyro or a Crash Bandicoot appear on Nintendo Switch. But because of this huge publisher and all the studios under it suddenly being acquired by a single platform holder, it is concerning from just an accessibility standpoint in terms of requiring people to buy just a, a console just to play these games that they could previously play on other systems. So, you know, that's one reason why I'm concerned because it has such broad implications for how these games are accessible, who can play them, and where you can play them. And I don't really think it's ever a good thing for something that was available in many other places to suddenly be limited to one specific platform ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So, so when we say we have concerns or we're scared, is that is is that the thing that that Nintendo fans are scared of? Is it 
stuff that was previously available on some things suddenly not being available. Or not, I shouldn't say mm-hmm. just Nintendo fans. I should say, right. you know, fans of, of video games in general. But I think you're totally right to mention Nintendo, though, because, you know, on the one hand, Nintendo doesn't have too, me- too uh, much interest in this situation because it's not like Activision was pumping out Call of Duties on Switch, right, or a bunch of other games on Switch. Mm-hmm. Activision wasn't mm-hmm. playing a ton of things, but we still had Crash. We still had Spyro. We had Tony Hawk. We had even Skylanders. Everybody loves Skylanders. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were getting support from Activision, and that's especially interesting for this to happen now at this time for Nintendo, because for a whole generation with the Wii U, Nintendo wasn't getting any third-party support. And now with the right. Switch, we're starting to get big publishers pumping out games, pumping out ports and original titles for the Switch. Now, with Activision suddenly being a Microsoft studio, we're most likely not going to see that same level. Now, of course, I understand that as generations get more advanced and uh, hardware gets more advanced and AAA games get more complex, we're already seeing fewer big third-party AAA games on Switch. But it's still a shame to see that number reduce and to see games that you know may have had a chance of coming to Switch go away because that was one of the biggest triumphs of this generation for Nintendo. So it's a bit concerning for the future about what that that third-party support will be. We know that Nintendo First Party will continue to put out great games nonstop, but we do want other developers to be able to contribute to that. So it's really changing the landscape there. Okay, that's that's a a good point. I mean, yeah, the the, the shifting in the landscape is really interesting. Obviously, um, th- th- I don't know. I-, I I kind of I dislike the. Uh, there's been a lot of you know, I hate this word discourse. There's been a lot of discourse mm-hmm. about like, oh, how's Sony gonna respond? Like, wh- what's Sony gonna do with? Are they gonna acquire Square Enix? Like, mm-hmm. there's all <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> all you know what I mean? There's all this BS online about like Sony's gonna. What are they gonna do? What's gonna be a response? And it's like, it- it's it's such a it's such a non conversation in my mind because like Microsoft is operating at a level that none of us no nobody even listening to this podcast unless Phil Spencer listens to this podcast nobody listening to this podcast can <laughs> conceive of the amount of capital that is being expended here like a, bil- a billion a billion 69 billion dollars is such an astronomical amount of money like it's uh, it boggles the mind. It's it's truly inconceivable for me to even fathom like a a a percentage of sixty nine billion dollars. So to, so to be like, I don't even know what I'm trying to get out here. Just like, it's such a high above me kind of thing to even think about that. It's like, I, this perhaps is a controversial opinion. Like, it's being concerned about this, I'm like, man, I, this doesn't affect me in the slightest. It's so far above me that, like, <laughs> I can't, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so yeah, far yeah. above me yeah. that I can't even think about it for that long because it just makes me sad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there's, also, there's also the fact that I feel like people are like, oh, how's Sony going to respond? And it's like, it, they kind of are. Like, if you've been paying attention the last year, the amount of developers they've picked up and bought mm-hmm. for just, mm-hmm. you know, yep. PS5 and VR. And it's like, they have been responding. If anything, this is kind of microsoft's response to them yeah absolutely honestly that's a great point yeah in the in the last year alone sony picked up blue point games the the who made uh the demon souls remake for playstation 5 among mm. several other games uh, shadow of the colossus mm. and so forth oh, yeah. um housemark studios which made returnal uh, a game i reviewed on the site and really loved uh, so, so sony's mm-hmm. been 
snapping up these smaller developers, um, you know, to, to kind of bolster their roster. So yeah, I, I think, Mark, what you're saying, Microsoft making this big play is not like, a, obviously the scale of it is unprecedented, but the, the fact that they're doing mm-hmm. it is not crazy. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not unimaginable that they would, that they would make a play like this. I think the scale at which it's happening is the thing that's, you know, flabbergasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the fact of why they bought them. Like, obviously they have the franchises, but it's also Microsoft has been looking to do like different business ventures. Like Xbox hasn't been like on that console focus like they were during the 360 or even like the Xbox One. Like they've kind of shifted Microsoft to going for this cloud-based focus. Like all their games are out on PC and it's like the exclusivity of it all has just kind of dwindled in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like they even said, like Phil Spencer tweeted out before, he was like, oh, like PlayStation is getting the Call of Duty games. Like there's no need to worry. So it's like, of course they're going to put them on there. They're like the highest selling games. Why wouldn't they put them on there? They're not going to restrict right. them to Xbox. Well, That'd be dumb. Yeah. You should and also... they just, they're also like, Activision has like esports and like all this stuff with Overwatch and their business ventures into it. Well, Activision was literally like part of the creation of esports. So it's clearly they're going to, dive further into that and this is like a big back door to it yeah and, and i think we should also add on to that statement from phil spencer that you were referencing he didn't say that we will be getting call of duty games on playstation he said that we remain committed to our desire to have call of duty games on on playstation which is carefully worded enough to go either way to imply that we might not see every single call of duty game come to playstation and then by implication we may not see every Activision game possibly come to other platforms. Well, I think, so I, I think it's his wording possibility open. I think his wording is very specific for a reason. It was because during, you know, the Xbox 360 and PS3, it was like Microsoft and Sony were literally fighting over the exclusivity rights to getting Call of Duty like early on their platform. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a situation where it's like, I don't know, like Call of Duty is coming to Game Pass early and it's going to be like something like that, you know, but I still think think, like all these games are going to come over. Maybe there will be like a few exclusives here and there. Maybe one will only be coming to Switch and not PlayStation or like like the Cuphead situation and like stuff like that. But it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I just like don't see a concern over it. Like, I really doubt they're not going to bring over a lot of these games to other platforms. It just seems odd so okay so not to not to call you out here mark but but just a few minutes ago you said you were concerned so like what's no i was concerned about that i was concerned about the fact that you know a company can just pay 70 billion dollars for the the biggest publisher in the entire Mm -hmm. industry that's making the highest selling games every single month because Mm -hmm. it's like you know who's to say they can't acquire like ea or something like that and that's like how many you know how many companies are you gonna grab under your wing before it's like you've taken over the whole industry you know i I should also add that you know a few weeks ago we were talking or maybe it was a few months ago we were talking about how microsoft originally back when the xbox was first launching tried to buy nintendo and we always thought that was a ridiculous impossible thing but yeah. I just checked now, and Nintendo's current net worth is $60.69 billion, which is wow. about $10 billion less than what Microsoft just paid for Activision right now. Now, obviously, I know that the way these acquisitions work is that you end up paying more than what the net value of the company is. But still, the fact that Nintendo is in that ballpark 
and seeing Microsoft shell out that much money for a company that arguably has less prestige than Nintendo, you know, um, and even though Activision has tons of iconic franchises, you can't compare that to Nintendo, right? The fact that you could spend so much on that and it's still close to Nintendo's value is pretty fascinating to see it kind of come full circle like this and i've i've seen a few people say on, on like on twitter being like oh wow are they gonna buy nintendo next so you know i don't think that's going to happen but we've just seen that it's very much possible as well and yeah. there's no also, telling where the I consolidation think the sale, go. you know i think the sale happened because of the whole situation happening at I, oh yeah, with, yeah. Uh, that's exactly what yeah. i was thinking you know, as Cameron's, long as the yeah. the big bad bobby is out i think people huh. are going to be happy you and see, he obviously wanted to get paid so it's like mm-hmm. You know, there's a and, clear answer as to why this happened so soon. And that's, that's the thing yeah, where you were talking about how this is just a boggling value, a boggling amount of money to spend on a single acquisition. But this isn't even as much as Microsoft would have spent if they tried to buy the company two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Activision's price has been plummeting in the past year for obvious horrible terrible no good very bad reasons <laughs> so this was a very smart time for microsoft yeah, to, to make, make this purchase. decision yeah yes, yeah no, they, they they saw an opportunity and they took it which like you know you can't you know listen can't be mad at that and two weeks um, ago they were like oh we're questioning our relationship with them well clearly we, we know this <laughs> we know their answer they bought them out to get rid of everyone bad there that was their answer yeah. well i mean listen we can't we can't speak too soon about it obviously yeah. like this is the kind of thing where i imagine they're not going to see like company culture change for a while a lo- yeah. you know a while mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. know like it's this deal's not even done yet like it's just as far as i understand it's not even finalized um so it's like, this is the kind of thing where we're not going to see the impact of this move for probably a, a several years. You know what I mean? Like, like I imagine, you know, Activision Blizzard probably still has plenty of games in development. Obviously, Overwatch 2 has been worked on for, for years and years and years now. So, like, the, the, uh, the company culture is going to be kind of in flux for, for who knows how long. Um, that said, um, I have I have friends who who work there uh, at at Activision Blizzard, and they are optimistic. So, like, shout outs to them. Um, I I hope that it, it, this is a indicative of a change in company culture. You mentioned uh, Mark getting Bobby out of there. <laughs> like, obviously, that's the of first course. thing that's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll take his golden parachute and get the hell out. <laughs> <Fuck> him. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I, th- I I totally agree with you that it's like, this is an opportunity for Microsoft to to see what's going on in this company culture and be like, all right, let's make some changes here. And hopefully they really do. Like, I'm... I'm mm-hmm. No, well, I, like, I'm sure they will with their company culture. And already, like, Phil Spencer is like, oh, once the deal happens, you'll be reporting to me. So, like, clearly mm-hmm. he's putting that out there already, you know? Right. And it's, like, not to, I don't know, it's, like, it's not to it's not to replace one billionaire for another, like, who even knows? <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know shit, I don't know shit about Phil Spencer. Like, I, he seems fine, I don't know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. putting one head of a corporation in as the figurehead of another one is, like, all right, it's, like, swapping two chess pieces around like i have no idea what yeah. that even means do you yeah. know what i mean like it's like yeah. I, I don't know like who knows uh um, it's, it's optimistic it's yeah it's at least mm-hmm. we know that someone better will be there 
Exactly. Yeah, at the very at the, at the, the baseline. <laughs> yeah, yep. the baseline exactly. Um, I, who knows what this will mean for Nintendo? Um, I know that a lot of people were concerned about the. the <laughs> this is kind of a footnote, but it's just it's interesting to me. Um, a lot of people were very concerned about the 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 fact that Toys for Bob uh, is getting kind of snapped up, and it's like, oh no, are we going to see more more of their more of their stuff that they made? come out on the switch it's like i hope so that'd be great they just they just moved all of them to warzone so they're like not even right is that strange like (laughs) yeah i don't know what's the concern they're they were already screwed to begin with i know that that may have been a motivating factor in microsoft purchasing activision being like we gotta salvage toys for bob from becoming (laughs) you know a call of duty subsidiary team Mm -hmm. i'm sure they said the same thing 20 years ago with banjo (laughs) i am suddenly incredibly sad now that you're saying that it's wow. it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, it's like, maybe in fifteen years. Look, I loved years. I loved Crash Bandicoot Four. It was a fantastic <laughs> game. I we never got to talk about it on the podcast. I reviewed it on the website. It was fantastic, and it's just like I, I just can't even believe what's happening to that company. It's just it boggles my mind yeah. how they can make so many poor decisions. Yeah. yeah, and to continue with that rare example, maybe in twenty years, Toys Where Bob will make some sort of really popular multiplayer game or something and mm-hmm. become original and, mm-hmm. and, and they'll have a Crash again. Bandicoot keychain. Mm-hmm. Yes, there you go. It's perfect. Um, uh, for, but, for, yeah. for what it's for what it's worth, I just checked on Amazon and Crash Four. It's about time is on sale for the Switch for twenty seven dollars. Let's get on it. We all know that a pretty pretty good deal. As soon as the deal is finalized, we know that all Activision games are going right off the switch. (laughs) Yeah, and they're going to be on Game Pass. (laughs) They're going to destroy all of them. Yes. There you go. Oh my god. Like right after Bethesda, everything was up there already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cannot wait for the Xbox and Bethesda and Activision and Blizzard Summer Showcase for E3 this year. (laughs) Oh man. Oh yeah, if there well, even there is, is no. oh, well, that's, that's a whole. I was gonna say that's see, a whole separate, uh, well, a whole separate conversation. You couldn't see because oh it's audio. But I was doing big air quotes. E three. <laughs> oh boy, man, I guys. Yeah, let's I'm so, talk about I'm so that one out. really quick. Honestly, I don't think so. No, I mean, there wasn't. Was there even an E three last year? Honest question. Exactly. I participated in the the online event, and beforehand, I couldn't even figure out like what was going on the digital you know the website behind the scenes for press was so messy it was just so bad the whole thing was a mess and it was just like i we literally we were talking about this you know for goomba stomp there wasn't there were very few of us that were on it but for the people at nintendo wire it was like we were all talking about it it was just like this is a mess like there is no way this venue can survive like another year if this is the case Mm-hmm. yeah well I think, it's, it's go ahead i was just gonna say i think this is another case where nintendo has been a little bit ahead of the curve here because with yes. nintendo directs Direct. what mm-hmm. even is the point of holding a press event a physical press event or a virtual press event during a supposedly magical week in the middle of the year where everybody's supposed to reveal their stuff i, right? I have an answer to that to create a really cool statue that will end up in the new york store two years later <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good answer. Okay, I like that. Just so, just so I could take a picture of, of it and uh, never look at it again. That's, Beautiful. That's the that's goal. Merchandising, great, baby. I, I still have uh, I have pictures in, on my phone of uh, the Luigi's Mansion three uh, setup they had uh, at the so last cool. E three that I attended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, guys, it's it's rough times in general. I I don't know. I 
I, Campbell, I totally agree with you. Nintendo's already kind of shot E3 in the head. Like, <laughs> they, they, right, they, yeah. like, I know a few years back, Microsoft pulled out of E3, and they started doing their events at the Microsoft Theater across the street from the LA Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, oh no, Microsoft's no longer at E3. What does that mean? Wasn't it? Wait, wasn't it? Or Sony no, it was pulled Sony. Out, but Microsoft, Sony. Yeah. Microsoft did pull out of like the venue itself. Microsoft to, pulled out of the Microsoft venue. They're still part yeah. of E3. And then uh, I think it was Sony who didn't didn't do a showing or something. Yeah, like that. Sony right. just completely that's what it was. Dropped. So and Microsoft it, pulled out of the venue. Sony didn't. Sony was like, I, we're not even going to bother. And truthfully, <laughs> Nintendo's been keeping this thing on life support. So it's like it really Nintendo has. just just leans into the. If like the week before E3 or the week after these quote unquote, as you said, Campbell E3, if the week before or the week after Nintendo decides to schedule something, like E3's over, like that's it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. And, and like y'all were saying, like even when Nintendo was present at E3, it's not like they actually had a presentation, you know, out on the stage at E3. They were just doing a direct. The only thing that made E3 special, more unique than any other direct throughout the year was just all the pomp and circumstance on the show floor, the really cool dioramas and setups and everything, how they created a mini Hyrule in the in the uh, exhibition hall, you know? So without that physical aspect there, you know, I doubt that we're even going to have major conventions that allow for that anytime soon, you know? So there's really just no point for this whole E3 season to continue because people are all developers and publishers are already putting out major presentations in the summer anyway. It's not like they need that framework to do it. Yeah, so, I was yeah. gonna say with like mm-hmm. wholesome games and all these yes, other showcases exactly. and, and yeah. Keeley Keeley Fest yeah. or what's it called summer <laughs> summer yeah summer, summer, summer game games fest, fest. Yeah. yes Jeff we all love it. But that. it's like these in you know the indie devs. I feel like every single time E3 happened, they always got ignored. And now it's like absolutely. Yeah. Now they have their own big events. Now they're you know they're cramming them into the game awards. It's like they have way more coverage than ever. And mm-hmm. it's funny because it's been happening over the last two years. And meanwhile, there's no E3. It's like there's no yeah. physical demonstration. Yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. Wholesome games are amazing. The Wholesome Games directs. They're fantastic, and honestly, they're much better than 90% of actual E3 conferences, you know? The pacing's better, the games are more creative, all that good stuff, and they're not getting drowned out by all these AAA presentations. If you think about E3s in years past, maybe you remember one meme-worthy moment or one really cool announcement, but everything else gets drowned out. So getting rid of this one supposed you know, time designated time of the year where you're supposed to reveal everything and have the most incredible event ever, getting rid of that and allowing the whole year to be a space where all publishers and developers can make their announcements and let their games shine, it can only be good for the industry. It's already been fantastic for Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo creates their own mini E3 every time they That's have true. a Direct. They get the same amount of hype from the press and from the fan base. So we're already yeah. moving in that direction. Even if, only it's just a, doing that. even if it's just a 20 20- minute indie direct like i find oh, myself yeah. getting way more excited than mm-hmm. any like big press conference all the indie we worlds we are dedicate better a whole other you know, segment yeah. to highlight everything it's like yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's it's just a well-structured uh, you know an experience that works it works yeah it's and like, they, and they why when, change do you know off the top of your head do you guys know when they started doing those it was right oh, before the, the wii u it was like in 2012 oh, wow, okay. i want to say yeah, it was. Um, they did their first Nintendo Direct when, uh, what was it? It it was the beginning of the 3DS. Actually, it was before. Oh the wow! 
because I remember the wow, first Nintendo Direct ago? was literally like five minutes, and it was like Reggie on a white background. Yeah, I'm looking the, at it now. It was the famous on... quote came from where he's like, "What's wrong? If you don't with own you? a three. You know, if you don't own a 3DS, <laughs> what's wrong with you?" We've got some important news. If you're an owner of Nintendo 3DS, or just thinking of becoming one, and really, if you're neither one yet, what's wrong with you? I have that video on loop sometimes just for 10 hours and what's wrong with you? Um, and for the record, that was released on October 21st, 2011. We've had over 10 years of Nintendo Directs yep. now. Amazing. Wow, and incredible. how they've changed, too, from the silly skits and Reggie telling you you're a horrible person all the way to <laughs> these kind of you know, immaculately structured corporate events, basically. It does from trailer to trailer to trailer with a little bit less of that personality mm. in there. Crazy developments. Yeah. I love the Tomodachi life one. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Trenton going through the nightmare. Oh my gosh. Uh, fantastic. That's so really many good. amazing moments. The Reginator, too. Mm -hmm. When just... he blew up that guy. Oh yeah. I was traumatized <laughs> when I watched that for the first time. I was like, Reggie killed somebody. <laughs> This this can't be right. <laughs> it's funny. I uh, I like right around that time that all that stuff was happening was kind of when I was not super invested in video games. There, there was like a I grew up playing Nintendo games, you know, N sixty four, Game Boy Advance, all that stuff, Game Boy Color, and then uh, right around when I was like I don't know sixteen from like sixteen to like twenty three or twenty four, I just didn't play a lot of video games. Um, I didn't keep up with news. I didn't. I didn't know anything that was happening. I had a DS, but I didn't play much on it. Um, so like all the stuff you're talking about completely missed me. <laughs> like I, I, I was like, I don't know this era at all. Like I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I missed it completely. Um, I would say it's only in the last. I don't know, like seven or eight years that I've like really reinvested in like understanding what's going on. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um. That said, I just saw, I, um, really quick, I just saw a quick little update. It was uh, Phil Spencer did an interview with the Washington Post, and he listed some of the games he was excited to see uh, Xbox acquire. Mm. And he listed King's Quest, Guitar Hero, and Heezen, which I don't know what Heezen is, but... Uh, no idea. Yeah. So he seems deep into it. <laughs> if Guitar and, Hero came yeah. back, that would rule. We're all um, hardcore Guitar Hero fans around here, of course. So. Oh, man, you guys weren't around for the best <laughs> era of Guitar Hero, which is... What? Right. Are you kidding? They used to... Oh, my God. Back at summer camp, they had it at this one area, <laughs> and everyone would, like, just crowd around. Yes. The best. Ah, yeah. oh, man. Wow. I had, like, Listen, three different Guitar Heroes. If uh, if a $69 billion acquisition deal is what it takes to, to revitalize Guitar Hero, <laughs> I am... You know what? I'm going to change my stance. I am no longer scared. I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> let's take a little break here. Uh, we got an indie spotlight for you all. Uh, or, uh, yeah, indie spotlight, uh, courtesy Campbell Gill. Uh, so hang tight, and we will be right back.
Okay, and we're back. Um, so Campbell uh, recently reviewed a game for Google Stop uh, called Windjammers 2. So uh, you're going to walk us through it, Campbell, but it's my understanding this is a revitalization of an old arcade game. That is uh, exactly what it is, yes. It's called Windjammers. <laughs> Basically, okay, so Mark and I both play this game. And it's basically Pong, right? It's like fancy Pong. Am I crazy? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the way the developers describe it is Pong plus Street Fighter 2. Oh, my okay, God. Yeah, I can that see explains that. so much. <laughs> that, okay, yeah. I think we oh, really? I, I was literally, I was going to say, this is like if Pong met Street Fighter. With that's the art exactly style and everything. what it is. I mean, we'll get into that more, but that's how it meets that art style, the emphasis on the mechanics, plus mm-hmm, the just, world traveling and stuff. Mm-hmm, exactly. Gotcha. And okay. then the bouncy pawn around the stage. It all comes together. <laughs> that's so funny. So, um,. Uh, Campbell, you're, you're going to walk us through it in a second here, but uh, uh, basically this game is, uh, it's like a tennis match or a pong match. You're, you're a, a character trying to throw a, a essentially a frisbee um, mm-hmm. and try to bounce it into the opponent's goal. Every time you score a goal, you get points. Matches are decided by who hits, I want to say, 15 points Yes. first. I mean, it depends like tennis. on your settings, but yeah, 15 is the Okay, it depends on your settings. Uh, so kind of like kind of like tennis in that regard. Um, you're trying to hit a certain amount of points before your opponent does. Um, that's kind of all there is to it. Uh, within that, there's there's ways to kind of charge up moves. There's like super moves. There's mm-hmm. there's yeah. variations within that. You choose a character before each match, and the characters are are have different specialties. Uh, some of them are faster. Some of them are more powerful, so they can throw the disc. Uh, you know, faster or slower, or block better, or or you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Campbell, why don't you kind of kind of break this down for us? Because uh, and I don't want to I don't want to color anybody's opinions here. I personally didn't vibe with this game right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've yeah. only played it for I don't know an hour, half an hour, maybe forty minutes. It didn't super click with me instantly, and maybe that's because I was just playing against the computer. But uh, Campbell, why don't you tell us a little bit about why why this game uh, struck a chord with you? I mean, I'll say that what you're describing was my exact experience starting the game as well. And to be to be fair to y'all, it doesn't do the best job of explaining its mechanics and easing you into it. Because Windjammers is very, very different from most other sports games or arcade games or fighting games or whatever category you want to put this game into. It has a lot of mechanics, a lot of things to consider at once. My first few matches, I was pretty overwhelmed at everything that was going on because it's so fast-paced, because it's so chaotic, because you have so many different abilities at your disposal. But once you just give it a little bit of time as you're playing through it, it was really around, I want to say, like the my, the second or third time I was going through the arcade mode, because there is a single-player campaign arcade mode where you go through a gauntlet of various matches, there's a few mini-games th- thrown in throughout, basically your standard arcade single-player fare. It was like around the third time that I went through that, that it just started to click. And it's the kind of thing where you just have to go through it by experience. Give it the dedication, give it the time. You know, I don't make it sound like it's a job to play this game and to get good at it, per se. But it's really the thing where the more you immerse yourself in it, the more you try, you'll just kind of naturally, and this is what happened for me, and knowing that this game has developed a super loyal fan base the original game has, I know that I'm not the only one to have experienced this, you just develop an instinct with it, and you start to learn the moves, and suddenly it just becomes such like an adrenaline rush to play, really. And that's exactly what I experienced as I was going through it. 
there's so much thrill and because of how fast paced it is because of so much you never really know what even when you're playing with against an npc you never know what each match will bring especially because arenas have different uh gimmicks going on with them the the barrier between each side of the stage might have little dividers that affect how the disc bounces around bounces around the uh the stage or you may have different parts of the goal that you're guarding that give different amount of points depending on where the disc flies into it there's even one stage that's a casino where basically just the amount of points that you get per each goal is random because it's like a casino you roll the dice and depending on what what the dice lands on that's how many points you get per per goal so it's that element of randomness there that makes it really fun as a party game but then even if you're just playing 1v1 no gimmicks no special stage things going on it's still the mechanics are fine-tuned and it feels fair when you are able to understand it and it, it happened naturally for me it's the kind of thing where you just it's I don't want to call it like use a, a, a corny metaphor like it's just like riding a bike or it's just like driving a car but it kind of is in a way and that's what I found to be so fun about it and then you throw in just the fact that one thing that we should really mention about this game is that it's developed by Dotty Mew which is the company that created uh, Streets of Rage 4 uh wonder boy and the dragon's trap oh. these really really beautiful revivals of old school retro games and just like those titles before Windjammers is truly a delight to behold with a, a comic book style and a really upbeat soundtrack and just a really joyful 90s-esque vibe and i just found that combined with the gameplay really just made it a compelling package so you know i i gotta be honest with y'all i'm not really a big sports guy either real life or in games but Windjammers just no, it wait was a second. A, stop yeah, the podcast. Yeah, but Windjammers <laughs> it's finally the sport that just resonates with me and I'm so glad that a, a real world sport like windjamming has just riveted me so much. So that's that's what I how I feel with this game. I understand that there's a learning curve and it definitely could do a lot more to um to ease players into it like it really does cater towards the people who grew up playing the uh, 1994 arcade original but and that was really my one major gripe with the game uh, that i covered in my written review of the game on the site but once you get past that there is a lot of fun to be had it's just a pure and simple arcade fun time and there's something to be said for something that doesn't you know try to push boundaries too much and be crazy ambitious and throw in a ton of different mechanics at once or a ton of different gameplay styles at once but instead focuses so much on this one really solid multiplayer experience and that's why i really enjoyed it yeah yeah i could see that um here's the thing like obviously i was playing against the computer so that like that's that's one thing. Um, right, right. I did I did the dumb thing of like I'm good at video games. I'm gonna crank this the difficulty up at the very <laughs> beginning, not knowing how to play this game. So like I just oh, got no. I just got smoked like five times in a row. Like like truly yep. zero to to whatever to fifteen sixteen whatever mm-hmm. whatever the points right, right, were. Right. Like every single match, I was like this sucks. Like I hate this. Um, I mean, I okay, well that's that's kind of on yourself then, Cameron. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. So I, I like it I down would to... hate the game if I did that. So what I did, Campbell, mm-hmm. was I went to the tutorial section. I'm I'm right there with you though. The tutorial in this game is bad. It's yeah, bad. It's really it's simply bad. bad. It's just a um, slideshow. 
Like, it's at the very least, show. it could have had you play yeah. through it. That's my biggest I, gripe with the game. Yeah, the tutorial's bad. Um, mm-hmm. If you... I don't know. Like, I was, I was shocked that there's not, like, a... Here is how you play the game that's, like, you know, two minutes long or something like that. Even a video would be preferable to a slideshow. Um, I mean, I would say that in the game's defense... It might be trying to call back to its arcade roots there. You know, when you were playing an arcade game, it's not like you walked up and you got this detailed tutorial every time you wanted to play Street Fighter, right? You know, it could just be trying to throw you in there and simulate that experience because that's where the series got its roots and that's what it's trying to emulate here. That's not reality. (laughs) You know what I mean? I understand that, yeah. Um, That's at least at least that's my opinion. Um, yeah. No, I, I totally echo that, and that is my biggest concern with it, because it does do the game an injustice, because the mechanics are really great, and when you come to terms with them, and when you understand them, it makes every match a blast. It just takes a little while of playing through the game, and just floundering a bit before you can figure that out. Again, I would say that the amount of fun I had when I figured that out, and it wasn't too long for me to figure it out. It was like maybe like half an hour, an hour into playing the game that it really clicked. But once you get to that point, it's so much fun. I think that does outweigh the initial tedium of just coming to grips with it. I think that's fair. Have you played this game with another person? I have, yes. And oh, nice. How was, how was that? That was really fun. You know, it is just like any other multiplayer arcade game it's at its absolute best when you're sitting side by side mm. with somebody you're yelling at each other you're getting you're, you're screaming it's really intense you know especially with I a game do, that's so fast as this. i so love speedy. to yell yeah. i love yelling i just oh love yeah it so and much. this is a very yell worthy game you know with just how crazy it can be it was a total blast i mean i had a lot of fun playing against the npcs as well the computer controlled characters that was fine sure. but it is at its best when you can play with somebody either you know on the couch or online i really appreciate that the game supports local couch co-op and on switch you can play with a single joy con which is really great mm. um always love to see that it's where the switch is at its best obviously with being able to split the joy cons uh, for a local multiplayer but th- there's also the online multiplayer too so it really does give you several ways to appreciate the game at its very best so yeah i'm uh that i could see that i could mm-hmm. see that um because play obviously it's like bringing it back to street fighter 2 or any arcade game like it's obviously way more fun to to throw down with somebody you actually know versus the computer um yep. even though the, the character designs are really cool even though they, they like have a lot of personality it's like you don't get that same sense of like rivalry as just really trying to wreck somebody close to you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. That's where it really does call back to the arcade roots once again, you know? It's just a lot really enjoyable at, it is at its best when you're just playing with a real-life human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, what, but what I also wanted to add, though, is that the multiplayer is great, and even if you're playing against the computers, it's great. The arcade mode, I really enjoy too. And I think it deserves special mention because one really fun thing about it is it does try to build out these characters in its own small way because every time you finish the arcade mode with a certain character, it plays this little cutscene at the end that just shows a little bit of their character. It shows them celebrating. And I think little touches like that go a long way towards facilitating the character in the world 
of this game. And I, I really did appreciate that. And I wish that there was a little more of that in it. You know, maybe like an introduction scene for the arcade mode or maybe other mini games or other side, side modes or uh, other bits of content that could go with it to flesh that element out a bit more. But all that being said is whether you're playing with a real human, whether you're playing with a simulated computer human, you're playing it in the metaverse, I don't even know. <laughs> but as it's a, I, I really did enjoy what this game had to offer. And if you're looking for an old-fashioned, you know, classic arcade gameplay loop, Windjammers 2 totally has you covered there. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. The Don't do what I did. incredible. The art I'll style's awesome. That. Like, exactly. no, it looks yeah. great, sounds great. Uh, don't do what I did, which is play on high difficulty. Yes, I like, will say, like, I would be lying if I told you that I played the arcade mode on anything other than easy. You know, like, that's just the best way to play it if you're not a pro. And the thing is, with how complicated it can be, there is a lot of potential for competitive play. Actually, go on YouTube, there are a lot of, like, actual competitions and tournaments of esports players going through this game, and it's insane to see high-level play of Windjammers. It looks nothing like anything I could pull off or anything that the three of us could pull off, I'm sure. Um, so there's a lot of potential if you really want to train up and push your skill in the in the Windjammers competitive scene, because we all know how vibrant that can be. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I love it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it for tonight. Uh, a a, a uh, not much going on in the Nintendo world. We're all still eagerly awaiting Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, we're gonna do a Banjo Kazooie episode that just came out on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, so we're gonna talk about that in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Majora's Mask just got announced for middle of February, so like we we've got stuff coming up. We're all just kind of hanging tight um, until until some of these bigger games come out. Um, so that being said, uh, I've been your host, Cameron Daxon. You can find some of my writing over on goomastomp.com. I am over on Twitter at ActionDaxon. Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at the Markel. That, of course, is Mark with a C, Cal with a K. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, right now on the website, I got a ton of Kirby coverage going up. I also have Rainbow Six Extraction. We have a yes. ton of stuff about the game going up. It's really good. Oh, boys. I actually, I really ended up loving it. But um, also, I'll give it a quick shout out. Uh, Patrick Morris wrote some incredible stuff about the uh, the whole Activision situation. So if you want to read some different opinions and just different minds on the situation, you know, they're definitely worth reading. So giving a quick shout out to that. Awesome. That's uh, thank you for for shouting out Patrick. Uh, we love him. Uh, Campbell, what about you? Where can people find you? You can find my games writing, as always, at Goombastomp.com. I've got a written review of Windjammers 2, where I continue to gush about all the same things I just gushed about for 10 minutes. And I also have a little guide about Rainbow Six Extraction, about how to unlock your favorite operators in areas. So if you're playing that wonderful little indie game, be sure to give that a look, to unlock Tachanka <laughs> and all these other characters. And of course, if you want to follow me on, on Twitter, uh, I'm at CampbellSkill, uppercase. CSG gotta call that out absolutely uh, yeah uh, over here over on Express we, we love uh, indie game Rainbow Six mm -hmm. Extraction uh, <laughs> everyone's developer. favorite uh, Express yeah. is also on social media we're on Twitter at Express Nintendo and we're of course available to download and review and rate and all that good stuff on the podcast platform of your choice Podbean Spotify Apple Podcasts all of those more more comments and reviews and subscriptions help us keep making the show so so please uh do that thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time